I remember this one time we were doing this festival called Life Fest in Wisconsin, and we were sitting backstage going, God, use our band, use our band, use our band. And God just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and he said, hey, what if I want to use the other bands? And, and I remember, oh, sorry, I had a dog barking here. And I, and I, I remember I, I was sitting there going, um, th- oh, that's fine. Just uh, use me first. And I realized that I was using being used by God to like be my identity. And I actually, that day I stopped asking God to use me. People go, I say that. I love saying that because people go, what? That's you're a heretic. I go, no, now whatever situation I'm in, I just say, God move, God work, God set people free. God heal people's shame. I'm here. I would love to be used. I'm available, but it doesn't need to be me. If you Mm -hmm. use someone else, I will celebrate that you're moving. And suddenly I'm not in competition with other people. I'm in solidarity and I'm in community with them, all striving for the same thing. And I'm actually able to participate in their joy when God uses them instead of being like fraught with jealousy because it wasn't me. Happy Monday. I mean, this comes out on Monday, so I'm going to assume that you downloaded it on Monday. And if not, happy whatever day it happens to be. I am Seth. This is the Can I Say This at Church podcast. And let's do this thing. A few weeks ago on Brad Jersak's episode, someone that is engaged with the show had commented, you know, another great conversation that I can't listen to uh, because of, of uh, audio impairments. And so I realized he was right. And so what I did was I went in and I transcribed all of Brad Jersak's episode. Uh, last week's episode with Claire, I also transcribed. And I'm finding little nuances there that I didn't see before. But this episode also, if you go to canisaythisatchurch.com, click on the uh, episode link. And right at the beginning there, right underneath the little animated play button to play the episode, will be a link to the transcription, as well as in the show notes at the bottom, there will be a link to the transcription. Tell your friends, if you know someone you know that can't really uh, discuss these things, can't listen to the podcast or anything like it, and you feel like they may benefit from a conversation like what is happening here, let them know that I am transcribing. Now, any episode before Brad Jersak's eventually will be transcribed. I have no idea how I'm going to do that. That's a lot of hours of transcription. Uh, Maybe I'll crowdsource the help. It's a thing that I am happy to do. It is worth the time. And to be honest, I'm slightly disappointed in myself that I didn't think about it prior. But like most things, unless they directly impact you, you just have blinders on. To that gentleman, thank you for bringing it to my attention. And to everyone else, let your friends know it's there. Take advantage of it. I know I certainly am going to. I really like having the text. Uh, There's been a few new things added to the store there at the website as well. Uh, Get you something. There's some really cool things. And I know I've seen people on Facebook and whatever taking pictures of of what they're wearing and and supporting the show in that way. And if you're anything like me, those shirts, those mugs, they tend to start conversations. 
Uh, not necessarily about the podcast, but about God and faith. And I love that. Absolutely love that. Mike Donahue is, well, you'll hear in the episode, and I've listened to his music for a long time, and it was an absolute privilege to have him come onto the show. And so you'll hear a lot of people use that platitude of, uh, it's just God's will. This happened because it's God's will, or of course this happened because if it's the will of God, it's got to be easier. You know, he shuts this door and opens that door and all that's not quite right. And so Mike has a book that is coming out, man, it might already be out by the time that you hear this, uh, called Finding God's Life for My Will. And that play on words is intentional. And in this conversation, you're going to hear some beautiful stories. Uh, We laugh quite a bit, which I love it when I can laugh with a guest. Uh, Love those. But mostly you're going to hear just genuine conversation about what God's will even means. Is that a question that we should even ask? And so I hope that you really enjoy this conversation uh, with Mike Donahue. Here we go. I'm giving you space to speak I'm giving you space to speak Oh my God It's just you and me A little more room to breathe A little more room to breathe Oh my Lord You are Mike Donahue, welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk with you for a couple reasons. A, I didn't know that you wrote books. B, I didn't know that we were about the same age. C, reading through a lot of your book. Well, when I say reading, I mean briefly skimming. I do want to be transparent. And um, D, kind of the stories that you tell, at least in that first section, or the first sections, um, I relate a lot to. And so welcome to the show. I'm extremely excited to talk to you. I'm glad you're here, man. Thank you. I am glad to be here. So my wife and I actually saw you and your band, gosh, a couple months ago when you were in Charlottesville. I don't know what it was called. Big night out? Nope, nope. Big tour out. Big, uh, big something. <laughs> big. It no, doesn't. That, it, it was at John Paul Jones Arena. I think we were the first one. And if I remember right, somebody. I think it was Michael W. Smith. Like his mics did not work at yes. all for yes. half of the half of the set. That was uh, that was the road show. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. But we had a blast, man. When we left, I actually told my wife, I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't mind this. Those people I was like, but I've never seen 10th Avenue North. Although you are the album that you had come out. Gosh, what's it called? Um, you have bleach blonde hair on the cover and you're oh, yeah. sitting Over against a brick. Yeah, there it is. Couldn't think of what it's called. It's the first, first one. Yeah. So that is my soundtrack. Every time I paint one of the kids bedrooms, cause that was the soundtrack of painting my son's bedroom. Um, and so it became the soundtrack of painting my daughters and then my other daughter. So every time I paint a bedroom, that's this, I don't know why, but that is, that soundtrack takes me back to that moment of I'm about to be a dad. I don't know why it was that soundtrack. I'm sure there was a data storage issue and it's all that I had downloaded offline, but it doesn't really matter. That's fantastic. That is, that's become that soundtrack. All of that to say, been a fan for a long time. I hope that my music um, is synonymous with fertility. You know what I mean? (laughs) Why? Oh, you know, I just want it to be like just <laughs> robust and spilling over with life. Uh, yeah, we already, I don't often play on the title of the show, but we're already really close to that line, Mike. We're already really uh, right. Bro, I live on that line. You don't even know. <laughs> so for those that don't know that you sing or don't know anything about you, if I was to break you down into small parts and you were like, all right, I got 90 seconds, which really you can take as many seconds as you want. 
what is it that makes you you? And then how does that like inform your faith? Like what, what matters and, and how did it get there? Well, I was a middle child, uh, but the eldest male. So, um, I'm an Enneagram four. I'm thinking of all like, you know, the titles that have just been handed upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the thing that makes me me is I love when I see a light bulb go on for someone, particularly when that light bulb is freeing you from unnecessary shame that you've carried for a long time. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to circle back to that. Um, what okay. are, what are those points in your life though, that have shaped you, uh, religiously isn't the word that I want to use. Um, spiritually also isn't the word I want to use, but what are those, those things that when you think back, you're like this moment right here, this is the, this is where I began to become at least whatever you are now. I'm a big fan of believing that the Christian that I'll be in a decade is probably going to be different than the one that I am now. And if not, I'm a little sad for faith. Oh, bro. You're, uh, you're in good company. I, um, yeah, right. Um, well, I remember a conversation with my dad when I drove a big wheel down my front, uh, road, the road right outside my front house. And you're, you're near Charlottesville. I grew up in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Yeah. I actually live right outside Stanton. That's, it's, it's a much smaller city, right? Like right at the base of the wintergreen little ski resort there. Hot dog, man. Yeah. I know Wintergreen. Mm-hmm. Learned, mm-hmm. I learned to snowboard at Wintergreen. I've, no I will deal. never be on a snowboard up there. I'm br- <laughs> brittle and old, and no, it's not happening. It's not happening. Osteoporosis. Yes. Like, yes. Um, I remember a conversation with my dad. Like, I knew I was bad, and I knew I needed someone to save me from my spankings. So, those early conversations, like that whole, like Jesus will be your savior. It's like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I can get into that. I definitely want someone else to take my spankings because I got a lot of them. Then I would say a couple like, uh, inexplicable sort of experiences. One would be my freshman year of high school. I went to a young life camp and I sat out on this lake and there was a heat lightning storm and for lack of better words, I felt the presence of God. I felt like I was connected to this great being who loved me, even though I was this little peon in the universe. Mm. Right. And then my senior high school, and I write about it in my book, I've got, I've gotten a near fatal car accident, got thrown out of a car, broke my back in two places, broke my head. And, you know, I flatlined five times on the way to the hospital. And that was the first time I went, oh, man, I am fragile and life is fragile. And there's this verse in the book of Job that it's actually one of his friends who's kind of like ranting about what he thinks about God. So it's, it's a weird verse, but he basically says if it was God's intention, he withdrew his breath, all mankind would return to the dust. Hmm. So getting in a near fatal car accident, senior high school is this revelatory moment of, wow, I am dust and I'm going to die. And if I'm breathing, it's a gift, right? 
Um, and then I get into college and I start, I went to like a private Christian school called Palm Beach Atlantic University, mm-hmm. um, which most kids go to just because the word beach is in the title. <laughs> and the and the other 20% are because they were forced to go by their parents. Yeah. And those 20% usually fail out the first <laughs> semester. There's a very high freshman flunk out rate at Palm Beach Atlantic, unfortunately. But uh, I went all four years. I loved it. My f- my first day on campus, there's this group of kids who are just just worshiping and praying right outside my dorm room. And I looked over my balcony. I went, man, there's a lot of good looking girls down there. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were guys playing guitar. And I had just started learning to play the guitar after having my near fatal car accident in high school because um, I had to lay on my back for two months waiting for my back to heal. And while waiting for my back to heal, that's the first time I asked for a guitar. So I didn't start playing guitar until I was 18 years old. Hmm. Uh, so I got to freshman year of college and I was like, man, there's good looking girls and these guys who play guitar, these good looking girls are singing with them. So I need to get better at the guitar. Mm-hmm. And with all that mixed motivation, I, again, like my freshman year of high school, sitting there with 50 kids against experienced this sort of supernatural, effectual presence that I didn't have any other explanation for. And mm-hmm. I saw things. That's when I really, that freshman, my freshman year of college, when usually people are experimenting and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, I got really into prayer and really into worship. And we would three or four times a night, five of us or 50 of us would gather in this little outdoor amphitheater outside my freshman room uh, and just pray for each other and worship and sing. And I just experienced a feeling that I'd never really experienced before. Hmm. And I relate a lot to that. Um, So we talked a bit earlier. uh, And so I went to Liberty and had a very similar experience with guys and guitars and, you know, attractive (laughs) women. Um, And so one one of the questions, so we buried the lead. So the name of your book is a a play on words, which I do want to ask you about in a minute, finding God's life for my will. And the question I'll ask you is, I I don't really want to know why the play on words. I just don't know what you mean by finding God's life and then how that relates to any choice that I want to make. However, we'll table that for a second. So at the amphitheater, if it's anything like Liberty and, you know, the flock that I was around, like, what would be the ratio of, you know, real worship music, heart of worship, Chris Tomlin, maybe a bit of that, you know, that early, you know, the early, early stuff there. And then you'd have, you know, more than words uh, and, you know, maybe Enrique Iglesias, you know, just the GCD things. So what would Uh, be that ratio there between... If I just twist these words a bit, it could be a worship song, but really it's just an Enrique Iglesias song or extremes more than words, you know, just to get somebody to swoon. Like what would be that ratio there at your university? Man, honestly, in those little moments, it was like, it was like 15% Enrique and (laughs) trying to think Lifehouse was popular, you know, at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Falling even more Uh, in love with you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But, uh, but we got, and we weren't even really into Tomlin yet. There was this record called Enter the Worship Circle, if you remember that. I do. And yeah. It, that was the one that those, was a raindrop, right? That's hitting down and it's a raindrop, I think. Yeah. I yeah, I don't remember the cover art. Mm-hmm. I just remember playing those songs so my fingers bled. Mm-hmm. 
and uh those those were the those were the the repeat enter the worship circle i think was the one that was like casting crowns before casting crowns like acoustic-y creedish casting crownish right or am i no, wrong it wasn't creedish what are you talking about it was more like hippie-ish I uh i mean i guess the vocal tone from what i'm remembering guy, in my head uh, well the guy from Waterdeep who wrote a lot of the songs <laughs> they were like a 70s sort of rock band yeah and uh so it had that sort of like you know jesus movement 70s kind mm-hmm. of thing going on a lot of djembe whole lot of djembe <laughs> Well, it's portable, so um, yeah, it's 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 a better percussion than that back half of the guitar, uh, because you hit that too often and your guitar's out of tune, and it just it just ruins the whole light. Amen. Getting back to the topic. So what do you mean uh, in that title there of finding God's life? Like, that's not a phrase that people say. Like, everybody says God's will or my will or your will be done. And really, I think when most people say that, they're just looking for permission to do what they already want to do and then pray about it. So what do you mean when you say finding God's life? Okay, so just I have this unique position now, right? i I started a band uh, spring of 2000. So it's been 19 and a half years. I've been in a band and I've played, I've played in churches. Oh, forget it. I'm past that, bro. I am old, (laughs) but I've, I've played in churches all across America, every denomination, you know, and the thing that I see over and over and over is this weird belief that if we obey and do things right and pray enough and have enough faith, we can leverage God to give us what we really want. And the the, the rampant prayer I hear over and over is, I need to know God's will for, will for my life. I need to go know God's will for my life. I want to know God's will for my life. And there's this sort of like belief that if I do everything correctly, he'll show me his will for my life. But really what we're saying is I want to know his plan for my life. And I want to know that if I obey, he'll give me what I really want out of life, which really, if you want to really label it correctly, we're just saying, God, how can I obey you where you'll owe me my idols? Mm. Mm. Cause like, God, if I, don't have sex till I'm married, you owe me a virgin to marry. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Like things like that. And, uh, or if I am virtuous and I do business correctly, you owe me like this really prosperous business and success in the business field one day. Probably hmm. not. And so I go, I don't, I don't understand why we keep asking what's God's will for my life. There's so many verses in scripture. It's like, this is God's will for your life. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And we're like, well, no, I need to know like the the secret plan. And I'm going. Let me get this straight. You you don't care how you make money or why you make money. You just want to know that you're going to make money because you're like, God, what's what's the plan? Show me my career. And God's going. 
um, yeah, before we work on your career, can we work on like why you want to make all that money? Like why career is so important to you? Yeah. And, and, and why you need to be, uh, so I had this stupid, uh, analogy about the book, right? Um, I was making a smoothie for my daughters. I have four daughters, by the way. Mm. Um, yeah, all under the age of 10. And uh, having four daughters is great. just means someone's crying, and it's usually me. Um, <laughs> so I'm always no, crying. No, they're um, crying. You're weeping. They're crying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm, dude, right now, right when we get off this podcast, I'm going to go pick up my wife from the airport. I've been watching the girls by myself for seven days so she could have this big trip out to Yosemite with her friend. And I... <laughs> I, I actually, I'm actually passed out right now. I'm uh, talking in my sleep. But I'm have they not. eaten anything more than chicken nuggets and Easy Mac? Because that's that's where my go to. And Fun Dip, come mm, on. No Fun Dip. So I don't know where you're at, but there's too many of the little piss ants that come in with Fun Dip because Fun Dip's everywhere. And though I have a miniature dachshund, she's kind of averse to flavored sugar. She she just won't pick it up, and I just don't want to. I just don't want to. It's too much. It's everywhere. It's 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 everywhere, and then there's ants everywhere. So no, it's just chicken it. nuggets and Easy Mac. But well, you, my kid, my kids lick the Fun Dip dust off the ground. I mean, there's no trace of Fun Dip. I mean, well, that's that's impressive. <laughs> um, so uh, so anyway, so I'm making a smoothie for my kids the other day. Right, uh, it's early in the morning, um, and I've actually I'm actually gonna fly on a plane early in the morning to go do this festival at 10th Avenue North. And so I get up early and I'm like feeling like a king. Cause I've, I've set my alarm super early. I've gotten up at 5.00 AM and I'm going to make this smoothie for my girls so that my wife, when she wakes up, breakfast will be made for the girls. And smoothie is just, it's the only way I can, um, secretively, uh, enforce, like just, uh, force nutrients into my children's body mm -hmm. right so like because you can hide all kinds of nutrients oh yeah throw kale in with kiwi yeah you never know exactly yeah so this is what i'm doing i had a avocado to make a creamy so i'm forking half an avocado into the vitamix <laughs> blender and my nine-year-old wakes up it's like 5 15 in the morning she comes downstairs she goes dad what are you doing i said well, i'm making a smoothie i was gonna put it in the fridge you guys could have it when you wake up and she says, oh, daddy, daddy, I want to help. And I said, okay, here. Uh -oh. I'm gonna, I was about to throw some spinach in. Well, I just <laughs> forked the avocado. When she came downstairs, it took me by surprise, and I dropped the fork in with the avocado into the Vitamix. And next thing I know, she's putting a big handful of spinach into the Vitamix. I don't – I forget the forks in there, right? So she goes to hit the switch on the Vitamix. Well, what happens? The, the fork – the lights in the kitchen are like flickering, right? And then this fork goes shooting out the side of the Vitamix and puts a hole in the wall. I'm not making this up. There's a hole in the wall where the Vitamix, and it has exploded outside the Vitamix. There is smoothie everywhere. I feel right? bad for laughing, but I don't. So, no. So I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes I have to get ready to go to the airport cleaning up the smoothie. And okay, so the title of my, my book is Finding God's Life for My Will, right? It's, it's God, I don't need to know your will for my life, like what the big plan is. I just need your life to come change my will. Some of us are going, we're just throwing stuff in. I want to make my, 
portfolio look perfect. I want to make, I'm putting everything in. I've looked good. My Instagram looks amazing. Everything is like awesome. And God's going, Hey, how about that fork that's in your, uh, your smoothie? Like the bitterness you have that guy. It's like, no, God, what's like, am I supposed to be a lawyer or am I supposed to be a, an astronaut? And God's like, Hey, can we just work on the bitterness you've got in there? Hmm. No, God, like, just show me what to do. He's like, I just, I just, just before we do that, just take the fork out. You got a fork in there. And if you don't deal with that fork now, then you could be the most beautiful put together businessman, but it's going to come out sideways eventually. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like, that's sort of the, the idea of the book is how I've seen my own hidden idols come out sideways. Did they drink the smoothie? Heck yeah, they drank the smoothie. <laughs> I, mean, I was scraping it up off the ground, putting it back in there. I was like, this is good for your immune system. You will like this. <laughs> it makes me think of that scripture, you know, the plank in your eye. But if you don't address it, when that fork explodes, like, it's going to break you. It's going to break your Vitamix. You probably got a new one now. But it also, I mean, you got lucky. It sounds like it didn't hurt anybody, but it literally could have shot anyway. I mean, it could have hit you. could have hit your daughter. And, and I think, me. yeah, I Could've think right through my stomach. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but if we don't, but, but I think you're right. And if we don't address it, um, when it shoots out, like it's going to cause more damage than your uncomfortability of dealing with it. If you just yeah, sit right. with it, if you just sit with it, what happens then when I'm trying to find my will? And I, you know, and I want to, you know, I'm, I run, I work at a bank for, for a living and I feel like I'm good at it. And, you know, and I'm like, I've got these big dreams to do this. And, and honestly, if, if, if I'm honest, if I'm really honest, Mike, if, if I could make the amount of money that I needed to, to do this, I would do this full time. If I could figure out how to make it work. Cause I would much rather talk about God than talk about money, but I'm really good at the other. And so what happens when my hopes and dreams seem to work out just fine but you don't feel like it's necessarily filling that hole of what God's will actually is. Like, how do you make those two puzzle pieces that go to Ooh. different puzzles all the, together? Like, I'm having success, but I don't have any fulfillment. This will make me go bankrupt, but I, I get so much fulfillment. Like, how do you reconcile the two? Right. And, and it's sort of like, we have to recognize that we do live in this very privileged place in world history where we even get to ask that question, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're living in poverty. You're not going, what can I do that's going to bring me a great fulfillment in feeding my family? You know, Mm -hmm. you're going, I will do whatever it takes, Mm -hmm. but we have to acknowledge that can't be like God's intent is just do whatever you can to pay the bills. There's this amazing Frederick Beekner quote that I've been sort of trying to aim the trajectory of my life toward. And he says, do you know Frederick Beekner? Oh, wrote in the 60s and 70s primarily. Um, anyway, he's basically too religious for like a secular crowd and too secular for a religious crowd at the time. So like, like Henry Nowen, where he only fits in now. Yes, e- but even more like salty like think of henry nowen had a love baby with mark twain and you get frederick Beekner. okay does that make sense yeah just a little more like salt of the earth okay perfect um so uh he says your calling 
is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. So he's like, he's like, all right, you got to ask two questions. You don't just ask what makes me come alive. If that's the only question you ask, you just end up a narcissistic a-hole, right? And you can't just ask, what does the world need? What does the world need? What does the world need? Because if you only ask that, then you just burn out. Yeah. But if you can figure out, and obviously this is, the, it's a trajectory. It's like what you're aiming for. It doesn't mean you're going to get there right now. But if you can at least aim your ship toward, okay, what makes me come alive? And how can I meet the world's deep needs doing that thing? That's where true fulfillment and true calling is, I believe. And I would, I would go one more. Give me if, it. If, What's well, one more? If, if, I've, if I've found anything in doing this, um, A, other people are impacted by just having an honest conversation, but I find if I focus on meeting my needs, other people hear truths in that, whether or not they intended to. At least that's the feedback that I get. Right. right. I, yeah. But, dude, I, I get it. Like, I get the tension of, like, 10th Avenue North, my band, the last EP we put out was called The Things We've Been Afraid to Say. And every every song was about an issue that the church doesn't like to talk about. And for the people who listened to it, I felt like it was incredibly rewarding. But it was our worst performing piece of art we've ever put out commercially. I'm assuming that's because, um, and I forget who they gave you like a, a name, like Susan or whatever. Doesn't the end like the the people on the back end of of the production? They give oh. like a, a target demographic, Susan or whatever the name is. Um, it's the name is Becky. Is the there it is? I forget who told me that. David David Zock um, from from Remedy Drive, and I'm I'm assuming it's because they couldn't put that on K Love. I, I don't know. I don't listen to Spirit FM or K Love all that often, but I'm assuming well, that, get- that probably re- relates to why it wasn't yes, as like, successful. So, and here's the deal. Here's the deal with Caleb. I, people, like Christian artists, they kind of have this chip on their shoulder about Christian radio. I go, look, it's not that Caleb doesn't want to talk about Jesus, but they've built their brand mm-hmm. on a slogan called positive and encouraging. Mm-hmm. So, which, which is not the Bible. <laughs> right. Well, it's parts of the Bible. Right. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they're like, and this is true of a lot of churches. Hey guys, we're not against the other part of the churches, the uh, or the other parts of the Bible, but these parts, if we double down on this one section, we found that more people like us and more people want to be a part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it, it it doesn't start like malicious or sort of ill-contrived i guess it, it it really begins as like hey how can the most people hear about jesus we find that if we just stick with the positive encouraging things about jesus more people will hear about him yeah and if their slogan were uh music about jesus that is beautiful and true that's hmm. a really it's a much narrower slogan but it's actually a much broader landscape of genre and themes you could uh sing about right yeah so i don't i I mean i but i get it like jesus isn't appealing to people who don't know jesus so positive encouraging it's like that could that can be 
marketed to people who know Jesus and marketed to people who don't know Jesus. I guess my biggest gripe with K-Love is it doesn't matter where I'm driving or, or K-Love or anything like it. It doesn't really matter what you call it, you know, Way FM or whatever. It's all the same stuff. Um, when you hit that point of the dial on the radio, uh, there is a lyrical and melodic stamp. But it's like that with, with everything. Like I know when I hit the country station, it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, when you're in the dial range, that's my biggest, that's one of my biggest gripes is uh, there's nothing. The lyrics are fine. But the lyrics aren't the only part of music that moves me. Matter of fact, sometimes I just wish people would not sing and just let their emotions bleed through the instruments. Mm. But that leads me actually. So a question I like to ask every musician I talk to. So how does making and writing music shift your lens personally, you know, of how you see God? Oh, wow. Uh, Most of the songs I've written I feel like have been gifts to help me actually believe God likes me. Um, Cause I feel like my default is to believe he doesn't like me. And uh, you know, I think, I think it was Leo Tolstoy. who said music is the shorthand of emotion. Like you put these little lyrical truths that you've heard a million times, you put it in a song with a melody and suddenly it's much more impactful and much more quickly. Yeah. And um, a lot of the songs, you know, people say to me, man, thanks for writing that song. That was just for me. And I was like, actually, it was for me. But glad it spoke to you, too. <laughs> um, right, right. There's great, there's great verse in Psalm 49 where David says, I listen to wisdom. Or I incline my ear to wisdom, and with the music of the lyre, I will solve my riddle. And so that, to me, is a really beautiful template for songwriting, is I'm just trying to solve my riddles with this music. And I don't know, it's, it's interesting. I, the, the Christian radio thing, like I love every song I've ever put out on Christian radio they sound a lot different than the songs that haven't been on Christian radio, Mm -hmm. but I get that they are, you know, they're trying to mathematically figure out what will people like the most. 
And honestly, they really do care. They're like, I really want people to hear about Jesus, but we also want the most amount of people to be listening. And mathematically, we found that this, you know, even like the mix of a song you listen to on a record and then you listen to on the radio and the vocal is almost twice as loud. And that's because the people who listen to that station have said, we really want to hear the vocal, Hmm. you know? So there's sort of those sort of intangibles. It's interesting. A lot of the songs you hear, even, I don't know if you remember the Hill song, United Song Oceans, that was just like a world, it was just a massive song, Mm -hmm. but they had like four different radio edits for it than the album version. And that was because they went, look, we really love the song and we'll put it in whatever package you need it to be in to like speak to your audience. Hmm. And there's sort of like, I don't know, because as an artist, you're always balancing this weird line of this is really what I believe in, but also um, like, like I tell my guys whenever we take the stage, I go, don't, don't forget we're waiters tonight. What do you mean, waiters? Okay, so, like, there's two ways. Well, there's probably multiple ways to look at it, but in my mind, there's two ways to look at taking the stage. I'm either either there for them to serve me or for me to serve them. Oh, okay. In the crowd. Mm -hmm. And when I think of my job as being a waiter, I go, cool, like, we have this art, we have these songs, but ultimately I'm here to serve you. Then it, it shifts just my whole perspective on what I want to get out of the evening. And part of that is I was a theater major and, you know, there's a lot of different ways of looking at acting. There's some people who say, as long as the person viewing me acting feels something, then my acting is effective. But then there's some actors who go, depending on the, the, uh, what am I saying? Um, the style or the, the express, uh, gosh, what's the word? Um, method acting? No, that's not method. It. There it is. Is that yes, it? Method. I did it. Yes. Depending on the depending <laughs> on the method, there's there's some who would say, if the audience feels something, it doesn't matter. I have to feel something, right, for it to be important. And like I look at it as, man, I want us both to be feeling something. But if it's one or the other, I hope you feel something before I do. I get that. And also, I will say, so Hillsong. Um, so I, um, I, I sing at my church. And the only sing two, us, uh, sing us some. yeah, that's not, so that probably won't happen. Although <laughs> have you ever sung on this podcast? Uh, the Patreon, the, the, no, do stop it. it. I'm not doing do it. it. <laughs> not doing it. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I will. Um, I have sung and I think people that follow me on Facebook have seen me sing. Um, I sang, I, I covered a song that, John Mark McMillan did on his Christmas album, which is one of the best Christmas albums that I've ever listened to that came out last year. Um, but I can't even remember the name of uh, baby son. That's the name of the song. I put that, but no, I enjoy singing though. The comfort level of my singing is I have to have a guitar in front of me, even if I'm not playing it or I feel like I'm too close to everybody. If that makes sense. Like it's, it's my blue Linus blanket. Um, and that's, that's all about me. Lion's blanket. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's it's the best analogy I can think of, mostly because there's also a blue blanket directly behind the computer here. Uh, so, but the only two that I've ever listened to are the one that they filmed in, I believe it was Israel, 
and then there's one from the relevant studios because I really don't want all of that mix. All I want is as few guitars as possible and the voices because that's really what I want is the voices um, on almost right. any song. I don't want the production. I, I need the emotion because if you sing as you do, your voice is the biggest instrument out there. But that's hard to relate to and it's really hard to explain to people that don't to don't sing. Well, no, I mean, what what sets bands apart more than anything isn't the music. It's the the there's something that you can't replicate, and that's the timbre of a singer's voice. There's a part in your book you talk about position, and so I ask it because um, you relate to like you know Michael Jordan, and I think you tell a story about Michael Jordan just you know when he was done playing basketball, like just falling off, you know, Wiley Coyote style, like right off the edge, like life is over. I have no place in this world. And I feel like so many people set the bar so high, especially in the economy and the culture that we live in America, of I have to excel all the time. Anything less than whatever accolade I'm striving for is not acceptable. And so I don't know because, again, I haven't read the full book, but I'm curious, you know, when we're talking about roles, what does it look like to be the Barnabas you know, in whatever vocation you fit into, whatever puzzle piece that finally latches into, you know, as you're honest with yourself and with life and, and what you've been called to do to, to bring joy to the world. Like, how do you know if that's where you're at? And then if you can realize that, like, how do you make sure that you're, you're not ever trying to, to push further than you're really meant to, but also still be satisfied in that? Uh, because I think, you know, without Barnabas, most of what we'd have from Paul wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have that. But nobody talks about Barnabas. Like his role is deeply important. And to to take the wisdom that you took from Monsters University, you know, without whatever that that one guy is with the one eyeball, without him. <laughs> Mike uh, Wazowski. Yeah. And, and then we'll call the shaggy one Paul. He wouldn't have succeeded. Okay. So, yeah, I'm just going to break apart. That's heretical on so many levels, and I don't even care. But it's the best, well, if, it's the best if, I can if you, do. If you had kept reading, there's a chapter in the book called the day I stopped asking God to use me. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, so I, you know, I, I worked at a church, a local church for a long time. And a lot of people who work at a local church, I don't think they realize how big of a deal they are. Like I, I say this all the time. I've been in this band for 19 years and, you know, we've gotten some accolades here and there, blah, 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 blah. I've never felt as famous as I did when I worked at a local church because everybody knew me everywhere I went in that town. And when I got out on the road and touring, I just prayed what we always prayed. God, use us. God, use us. You've given us this special thing that we're going to share with the world. We want, we want to be used by you, blah, blah, blah. And that's a good prayer, right? Like God, use me, God, use me, God, use me. And then one day God kind of like revealed to me how even that really noble prayer can go sideways in your heart. We were at this big festival and it was the first time we were kind of, you know, we had started touring now and we were out with other bands and we'd never been in that situation. We were always just the worship band at church. There was no one to compete with. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and now it's, it's weird. Like the longer you do music, the more young kids who've just been in the music business, a 10th of the time you have, they shoot past you in accolades and listenership and CDs sold and tickets sold. 
And it's easy to go, man, I'm doing it wrong. You know, and I'm sure if I keep writing books, I'll say the same thing about book writing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I remember this one time we were doing this festival called Life Fest in Wisconsin and we were sitting backstage going, God, use our band, use our band, use our band. And God just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Hey, what if I want to use the other bands? <laughs> and, I, and I remember, Oh, sorry. I had a dog barking here. <laughs> and I, and I, I remember I, I was sitting there going, um, Oh, that's fine. Just uh, use me first. Mm. And I realized that I was using being used by God to like be my identity. And I actually, that day, I stopped asking God to use me. People go, I say that. I love saying that because people go, what? That's, you're a heretic. I go, no. Now, whatever situation I'm in, I just say, God, move. God, work. God, set people free. God, heal people's shame. I'm here. I would love to be used. I'm available, but it doesn't need to be me. Mm. If you mm. use someone else, I will celebrate that you're moving. And suddenly, I'm not in competition with other people. I'm in solidarity and I'm in community with them, all striving for the same thing. And I'm actually able to participate in their joy when God uses them instead of being like fraught with jealousy because it wasn't me. Well, and that goes back to what you were talking about earlier with, you know, when you're on stage, you, you want to act as the waiter. Like it's the same mentality. It's just a differently, yeah. it's a differently phrased sentence. Um, that's actually the last thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap with, I have a few random questions that have nothing to do with anything, but I'm curious uh, because I could read your humor in the book. And so, I just, I just, you know, some, some little, I don't ever do a rapid fire session, but I'm going to try. We're going to make it happen. How do you then define joy? Cause that, that word's got a lot of nuance. Um, and I think, I know you have a chapter on joy that again, full disclosure, haven't finished reading. How do you define joy? Cause I think what is joy for one person is deep pain for another person. You know, the joy of childbirth is this, or the joy of motherhood is this, or fatherhood or success or music or whatever it is like that joy can equally be entirely unjoyful for yes i'm I'm generalizing the quote but ann voskamp she talks about the secret to joy is to keep looking for it in the places you're unlikely to find it Hmm. um so joy is like that to me they always say joy joy and happiness are two different things happiness is everything i want circumstantially has worked out and i'm happy Joy is I have a peace, a bedrock of peace that exists even when circumstantially things are going way wrong. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that only comes, and, and the theme of my book is really just surrendering your idols. And the more you surrender every idol, then the more circumstance doesn't have the power over your peace that it used to have. Joy is peace that surpasses circumstance. Who was the quote again you said? Ann Voskamp. Ann Voskamp. You keep with the last names that I don't know how to spell, but Google will fix that. Um, V-O-S, <laughs> I think K-A-M-P. If it's wrong, I'm still going to Google it. Um, I find... 
yeah. So uh, I, I find that I get a lot of things like that, and, and I'm, you probably see me keep writing it down here. So just a couple of quick questions, just to tie up some loose ends that made me laugh as I was as I was skimming through. So when you explain Hollywood video to your you know to kids, what's the look on their face? Because my first job was at Blockbuster Video, you know, yes. out, out in West Texas, and there was a Hollywood video across from me, and it was the enemy. You know, it was the enemy because I don't think that they charged you to rewind the videos. And so either way, sure didn't. I rewound those videos, bro. Yeah, I was 50 cents. Do it yourself. I mean, this is you're going to pay for my service. So but what is like, how is what's the best way to describe the look on their face when you're like, let me explain to you, meet Joe Black in a six inch tome of two massive VHS tapes. Like, how does that work when you try to to explain that to to your kids or or other people? (laughs) That's funny because me, Joe, we were probably working at the same time. I mean, me, Joe Black came out when I was working in Hollywood Video. And it was, it was two VHS tapes. Yep. It was a double, double <laughs> tape. Did, did Blockbuster charge you double if both tapes weren't rewound or was it a, a single rewind? I, I think piece? it was per UPC. You know, That's I think, I think fantastic. it was so. Um, it was, it was just one item that you rented. So, no, I, uh, <laughs> Man, I've I've given up. I've actually given up trying. The best the best equivalent is Redbox, because Redbox is still around. And it's I don't know when this is gonna when this podcast is gonna air. It might not be around by the time this thing airs. But um, (laughs) my kids they get that like, well I gotta go get it because it'll save us four dollars if I go if I leave here, and I go but a whole store. Mm-hmm. Like just guys, imagine all of these titles that we're skimming through on Netflix. Imagine each of them as an entity on a shelf and we have to go into a store and browse them manually. I le- I lose them on the manual concept, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it, but it was more than that. I can remember, you know, from the cashier stand, you would judge people inherently as you watch the same people week over week, like, Oh, that guy only goes down the drama section. He's got some issue. That guy, I know yeah. he's going to the comedy section. Yeah. And we moved to the comedy section and nobody told him, this is going to be fun. Everybody get together. Maybe the and, guy looking in the comedy section is the one who has issues because he needs a pick-me-up. Maybe uh, the drama guy is like, in touch with his feelings, you know? Maybe. Yeah, I think Meet Joe Black was actually two of those massive, you know, four-foot-wide, seven-foot-tall things. That's how many we had. Anyway, I'm off topic there. Second, you reference What About Bob? And I, again, I quote what about bob often so what's the best scene in that movie like if someone goes to redbox and finds out that what about bob is not there and then they go to itunes and they buy it anyway i think where do they I, skip to i think bill murray eating the fried chicken that's the dinner? gotta be my they haven't just mm, mm, oh yeah mm, <laughs> oh and richard dreyfus him and steve martin have probably embodied physical tension better than any other two actors at least in the early 90s for sure mm-hmm. um but like the tension that builds in that scene were just just because of the bliss that bill murray is experiencing eating that fried chicken that's yeah it's no i'm with you although i think the kids make that scene the daughter in there the looks on her face like what's dad gonna well do? that well that's Dad's it gonna all, you know, 90 percent <laughs> 90% of acting is reacting. So. Yeah, so perfect. Yeah, for me, it's the, uh, I'm sailing. I'm a sailor. I'm sailing. <laughs> Final thoughts. Like, if, if people have not been listening, um, and I hope, that, I hope that you have. I don't often get to laugh a lot on these podcasts, and so thank you for that. 
Um, often it's so overtly serious that I'm afraid to laugh, but I've enjoyed laughing a lot. And I probably oh. kept my daughter awake, who's literally above me, but I just, she'll I be just okay. read this thing. I, it was an article from Princeton, I think, about the honesty that exists in a community in correlation with the amount of cursing that is allowed by that community. And that like the more cursing there is, the more honest the community. Hmm. And in some ways, I feel like for me, like the more I give myself permission to laugh and my kids to laugh, there's like, there's actually a, a deeper ability to actually go real low. And I don't know, I have to do some study on that. I haven't read a Princeton study on mm-hmm. that, but I mean, do you feel the I, need now to curse? Is that what you're saying? You need, no, no, you need I, to get it out. I guess, I guess I mean, like, <laughs> feel free. you know, the, it's like the great dramas, like the really greatest dramas in film history are not sad the whole way through. Right. There's always a comedic element because it actually enables the viewer to like go deeper down. Like Braveheart has hilarious scenes Mm. and that's what makes it great because it sort of like relieves you and resets you and almost like builds trust of like, Oh, okay. I can laugh with this guy. I can go deep with him. Yeah. He does have that craziness. And so does spoiler alert, you know, game of Thrones, that, that giant guy. I don't know if you watch game of Thrones or not, but there's that giant, that's in you know, I don't, things. I don't watch Game of Thrones. So I'm Christian. Oh, but it's well, cool. <laughs> I also am one, and I finished it. <laughs> so, um, uh, but do you really not? I I haven't seen it. Though. There is a comedic character that's like, uh, he lives outside of civilization. So, like, if Jonah's trying to escape Nineveh, you know, he's going west off the known Earth, and then he meets a giant there, like a like a half giant that. The dude is hilarious, but he is that in that whole show of all this war and tension and horribility. And then I'm going to crack this joke, which, and you're right, it builds like you just, you wait for him to be on screen. But for those listening in the back row, if they haven't heard anything at all, like what is the last thing that you want them to hear? And then how do they connect with you? Uh, the, the, the only thing I want you to take away from this book is like that God and, and don't mishear me. I'm not saying God's not not interested in what you do with your life, but he's way less interested in what you're doing than he is in how you're doing it and why you're doing it. Like God, like how, what you do with your career to make money is not near, it's not even close to why you're wanting to make money and how you're doing it. So that's it. Perfect. How do people, how do people connect with you? You know, obviously they can get the book everywhere. Fine books are sold. I feel like in August from what I read, but I'm probably going to be wrong on that. Oh, no, you're good. August pre- 6th. To answer your previous question, that'll be close to when this releases. <laughs> yes. Where would you direct people to either engage with you, you know, engage with the band, engage with the book? Like how, where would you send them? Yeah, we have a new record coming out a couple days before the book comes out it's all Hmm. it's all happening honestly for me if you want to talk to me online direct message me on instagram Hmm. that that for whatever reason of all the things that like there's a million ways to comment on things if you direct message me on instagram i'm gonna see it Hmm. i may not respond to you but i will see it and (laughs) choose not to respond <laughs> Farm that out to your ten-year-old. It'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could you imagine? 
I can. Honestly, I can. Please, will you please just respond? To I don't know. <laughs> say I don't what? Know. Say whatever you want. Just, just, God just. Is awesome. <laughs> Love ponies, butterflies. <laughs> Mike, are you okay? You've been drinking. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would be fun. Well, good. Um, so those links, obviously, I'll, I'll include in the show notes. Thank you again so much for being on. Um, I've, I've, oh, I've yeah. genuinely enjoyed it, man. Dude, such a pleasure. Thanks, bro. So many times I haven't been true Kept myself from you Didn't know I could be honest I thought you'd walk away But then there are times Grace gets in And I can tell it like it is Normalize keeping life from my shadows Got me feeling like a boy who has no shame We wrapped another one, didn't we? It's fantastic. It is such a privilege to be able to do this. Thank you so much to the supporters of the show on Patreon. And if you're not one, man, get off the couch and make that happen. Well, actually, you can do it from your phone. So just stay on the couch and make that happen. But thank you to every single one of you that support the show financially. You make this work. I can't stress enough how much you make this work. And I am honored that, that you value the show in that way. For those of you that can't do that, rate and review the show. Um, I won't read some of them on the air, but man, they really, I love those things. I like to see them, even if I don't agree with them. Uh, but remember to do that. It helps other people kind of make their way, you know, when they search Bible or when they search church or when they search faith, uh, to find a show that they maybe not, maybe wouldn't have seen prior, you know, the algorithms, that's how that works. Just how, that's how computers work. So rate and review the show. All of the music today is from the newest release of 10th Avenue North. I believe the album is called No Shame. It is really good. I had the privilege of listening to it a little bit before its release uh, to find songs for this episode. Man, it's really, really good. Um, really good. I can't stress that enough. So you'll find links to today's tracks on the Spotify playlist for Can I Say This at Church? But you'll also, I mean, just really, I mean, you should really just dive into the album. So thank you for listening. I hope that you have a fantastic week. Be blessed. Remember that you're beloved. Talk to you soon. I am floored by all of your love. The weight is off my shoulders. The weight is off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And the less I obsess to please everyone. The weight is off my shoulders. The weight is off my shoulders. The weight is off my shoulders. I'm so free, it feels like I'm stealing I'm so free, I ain't scared